a Podcast One production. Hello and welcome to A Plate to Call Home, conversations with fascinating people all centred around food. This is part two of my chat with Nigella Lawson and what a chat it was. If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you go back and check it out. In this half, we go a little deeper and talk about some of the tough times in Nigella's incredibly full life and just when her happiest moments have been. Take a listen. So you're not just here for MasterChef, you're here for a couple of different things, aren't you? Well, I'm here for MasterChef, and then because oh, I was don't here, have to no, no, it's true. Yeah. Because I was here, I, you know, wanted to stay and do yeah. other things, and I had a book out in, I had a book out last September, so I'd like, I always like to go on the road and talk about it, yeah. and I, so really, I'm doing uh, various Q and As and talks. I'm doing uh, the School of Life in Melbourne, School of Life in Sydney, and I'm also doing the Sydney Opera House, Gee. and um, I love that night talking to people and what I think about food and why it matters, um, not. From the point of view of you know what it says about us and our life and our relationship with ourselves with other people, uh, and that always interests me. And as you can hear, that I babble, having stayed silent until I was why nineteen. You fit in so perfectly here, <laughs> I with know. George Matt and I, I know because it is the babble factor. It is. Isn't it? We are babbling food nerds, right? Yes. So what? So what do? What will people get? Uh, you know, what do people get out of that? What do you enjoy talking to them about? What do they always ask you? They ask, afterwards? you know, often different questions, but I quite like, I like it. I mean, some of these will, will have this. I like it when they're, you know, questions from the audience. Yeah. Because you never quite know what they're going to ask. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they're often not, a, they're often, even if they start off being about cooking, I'm always, you know, how I get, you know, wander on, old Mar Lawson. And um, so when I start talking, I always feel it, uh, it has to, how we cook or how we fit, think about food says such a lot about what sort of personalities we are and how mm. we are. And I always will say to people, look, you will cook in a different way. Like when I hear you talking about how you like cooking, it makes yeah. me think, oh, you're someone who doesn't like to arrive at a train station too early if you're catching a train. Oh, no, I have to be early everywhere. But then why are you cook So why do you want to cook in such a fast way? Because I think it comes from a professional place yes, that was born out of something yes. entirely different. Yes. The dignity of labour as a young yeah. man, rather than say... But you see, I think the dignity of labour often makes me want to linger over something. Mm. I mean, it depends, you know, on day to day I can't often, but I think when I can at a weekend. And I think that's the whole point is that there's not just one way to be or one way to cook. And I suppose when I talk about food, I, really, I suppose, and that's why I enjoy writing about food, I feel like, you know, I'm talking or writing about life. Yeah. How, how's, how then has it changed, say, as a 20-year-old Nigella or a 30-year-old mm. Nigella in the place you're at now in your life? Four-year-old Nigella. Let me have a think. Not as much has changed, except I sometimes, I feel I'm almost going full circle. Because when I think about the way I cooked before I had children, I often would spend much longer on it. And then now that my children... Um, you know, uh, grown up. Yeah. I'm now. I don't mind spending. You know, whereas I spend a bit longer on my cooking again as well sometimes. Whereas when you're just trying to get everything done, and you know, make sure they've got the right games kit for the next day, mm. you haven't really got that long to spend on cooking. So I suppose yeah. I. But it's quite interesting when I see my first book. How many of the ingredients that are in there and the way of cooking, I still cook like that. I don't. I think that's the thing is that I. I think. I've always been flavour-led, and um, I, and I suppose I, 
I, I like the play. I like the play element of cooking. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes that can go out of my head if I'm thinking if I if I if I'm worried about oh, whether people are going to like it or not. And I sometimes think it's difficult because I think people have too high an estimation of what I'm going to get, which is okay because I just do cook for my friends. Yeah. But I, you know, I do worry. I do. Think is your audience changing? Because you've been successful for a long time now. I, I think in a way. It's so interesting that I, my new book's got some really old-fashioned recipes, and it's so interesting what you know, you never really know what, what will be the recipes that people cook a lot. And one of the things I love about social media is that, you know, people can, you know, if they hashtag me, I see what they've been cooking. I'm yeah. a bit behindhand on looking at everything. And it's so interesting because some of the, um, they're not new dishes, but they're certainly new for a UK readerships, like, um, you know, I've got a, a Lebanese-inspired fatty, and that's oh, and Turkish eggs, and they've been cooked such a lot. I mean, someone said, someone said recently it's the most Instagrammed, you know, breakfast at the moment, like Turkish eggs. But at the same time, I've got uh, the, uh, some recipes which are just really recipes that get lost in the Instagram age, like a chicken barley that I do at home, which barley. well, it is just chicken thighs. I take the skin off just. But you don't have to, it's just that even though I like the fat normally, I don't mm. like fat when it's flabby, I like it to be crisp. Mm. And I just cook it with carrots and leeks and some English mustard, water, you know, barley. And it's just, uh, as a friend of mine would say, a riot of beige. A riot uh, of beige. And um, so it's not the sort of thing that looks like, but it's yeah, so old-fashioned. So old-fashioned and homey. And yeah. people have been cooking that a lot too. So I think actually for a lot of people who haven't, been brought up on that sort of yeah. food. Love it's it too. coming back around again. I don't know. I think there's always an appetite for food that tastes good. I had deviled eggs on the weekend. Oh, I've I got didn't that. make I've them. got them in my book. I didn't make them. Yeah. I just And my dad went crazy over them because he goes, I haven't had these. I know. Because it reminds me of Robert Carrier. That's the 70s, isn't you know. it? It is. It's a long way. But yeah. they just, you know, the chef had bought it bang up to date. They were, yeah. they were almost a cross between a scotch egg. Yeah. But see, mine aren't outside. bang up to date. I've got some deviled eggs in my book. Eggs. And they are. And I just thought, God, it's not much to get me to get a piping bag out, but I couldn't resist. And I was reading a book. <laughs> it's not a brilliant book about, it's a really brilliant book, with the best one of the best titles ever. And I was reading a book called Being Dead is No Excuse. And it's about um, southern funeral food. And, you know, deviled eggs are big on the southern funeral yeah. circuit. And I thought, oh my God, I haven't had a deviled egg for so long. So I think, um, so mine are a bit different than I bought extra virgin olive oil in them. And but, That's enough to bring it bang up but to date. That's you know a thing that. Like that. But actually I <laughs> fiddled with them since yeah. making them because um, I, made them, I made them at home quite a bit. My son doesn't like mustard, so I added some sriracha for his the other day, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's they're nice. They're properly deviled. If they've got yeah. sriracha in oh, them, I know. then they're very No, they're not, they haven't in the book. I just how oh, I carry on fiddling. Oh, you just did it at home. Well, can you make sure I they're in the next book? No, but right? I just carry on fiddling. Well, I've given people uh, things now. That's well, you, the thing. If you're talking about eggs, I don't know why we wrote this down, but it said here that uh, you appeared on the Graham Norton Show. Oh, yeah. And that you revealed that you'd eaten 30 pickled eggs for a thousand-pound bag. I did, yes. So it was when my husband was ill and, you know, money was quite <laughs> tight. And someone said, I bet you couldn't eat this whole jar of pickled eggs. I thought, don't Easy. Know, please. And, but I thought, you know, when they say, oh, you know, give you a thousand pounds, it was they went around the table getting money from everyone. And I thought, I'm not going to do it. And then they just say, oh, did you really think this? So I made them put the money on the table and then I did it. And, did it. and 
Um, I did get that, that, you know, like if you've been in the bath too long, it gets, ah, putting my hand in the jar did make, did make my fingers pucker a bit and wrinkle, but I did manage to get up in the morning and have scrambled eggs, so it didn't oh do... Oh my goodness, it, it, I was going to say, please, oh, no, no other fine. consequences no, no, to a jar of pickled all. eggs. None, I, I none. love that scene out of uh, Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. You ever yes. seen that? Like, yeah, there's I a have. few generations that wouldn't yeah. see that, where they basically yes. just force-fed eggs. Yeah. It's very, very funny. I like that. So no... no um, uh, Nigella, the future Nigella? Have you got do, an I idea? Are you travelling more? Are you... I want to travel more, and that's certainly, I've started, you know, 2018, right way of being in Australia, which I always find, I love. I, it makes me happy being here. Australia and Italy, you know, lovely countries to go yeah. to. Although I did go to India for the first time in my life on the oh, way no. here, and I adored it. So I've got ready to go back. What did you love and hate about it, though? I have a I have a love hate kind of thing about it. I was no love hate's wrong. I always it's a cacophony of everything it is. that's it's good and bad in the human it, race, all kind of jammed together. Oh, it's just extraordinary. I mean, I just feel <clears throat> the smells, the tastes, mm. the sounds. You know, where did I, you go? Really, you went to. I went to Mumbai, and I went to Kerala, yeah. and I went um, near to Rishikesh. Beautiful. Uh, Kerala, did you love that? Because that's south. I did. A bit hot west. for me. A bit hot. A bit hot for me, but I did. Like I had, you know, my umbrella and yeah. hats. But that's what we food. always think when you come over here. We go all a bit hot for you. We look at the forecast. I know. I always twenty one. We go should be I know, fine. I know, but as you know, I you know I go everywhere with that umbrella. Do people know everything. what the umbrella's for? What I think it? they obviously think I'm a complete lunatic who goes out when it's not raining with an umbrella. And what but is I'll it? I'll take it. It's to stop me getting a ray of sun on me. My it's my Michael Jackson look. I also have some sun SPF fingerless gloves. Okay. I'm, I can't take the sun at all. Why is that? I don't know. I've got some slight allergy or sensitive. I hate. I don't like the feeling of it. Yeah. And I really, really mind because sometimes it makes me feel a bit isolated, and I can't just go and do anything. I always have to be wrapped up. And I and I do think people who enjoy being in the sun are happier people. And I'm very, very envious. And I keep thinking, I'm just going to do it, but it gives me a slight panic feeling. Because going to sun. Italy, and you couldn't find two kind of sunnier places, could you? Italy and no, Australia. Northern Italy was all right yeah. for it. And also, I was most, you know, most time working in the pensione. I always say to people, when you're going to stay in a hotel, you've got to know that, you know, as a chambermaid, I used to try on scent, I used to put people's clothes on. Did you really? On. Yes. Everyone does. See, sure. as a chef working in a hotel, you don't get to do things like that. No. You don't get to try people's stuff on. You hear stories from room service know, waiters, yes. and we live vicariously through. I them. know, no, but so that's about yes, it. quite. So I, you know, I loved all that because I am quite nosy, <laughs> which also is why I like coming on MasterChef. Yeah. What it, uh, I love it as well because a lot of the work I do is quite uh, solitary in a way, so it's very nice yeah. to be surrounded by people. My name's Gary Megan, and this is A Plate to Call Home. After the break, we continue our chat with Nigella Lawson, and she tells us what is the hardest thing about being Nigella Lawson. Stay with us. I don't like um, invasive press, and obviously um, the UK is renowned for its mm. paps and paparazzi, mm. and you know I find it, you know, the all those tabloids and things I really don't take any interest in. But just doing a little bit of research, you've been in the press a mm, lot. I know. How does that affect you? Um, it can make me feel uh, cautious about going out and doing things and mm. maybe not as... Um, makes me feel guarded and I'd hate being guarded as a person. But on the other hand, you can't really live your life like that. So I don't. I tend not to read any of it. But I do know. I know. You know, I am quite a lazy person. So 
you know, I feel like, oh, I really shouldn't go out with no makeup and, you know, dirty hair and looking a bit like I'm, you know, I've taken to the streets. Uh, but then I think, oh, I can't be bothered. So I always know there are going to be the most, world's most unflattering pictures of me everywhere. And I just think, well, I just won't look. And it doesn't bother you? I, I just choose not to let it uh, sort of penetrate my consciousness. If it does, or people, if I see it by mistake, or someone's on Twitter or something like that, it, you know, I then I can feel What has bad. bothered you and how have you dealt with it? God, a lot's bothered me and I don't know how I've dealt with it. I think I, I think I, I probably have a slightly more cloistered life than I would do if I didn't, you know, sometimes I'm just not in the mood to take scrutiny. Yeah. And I find that's quite difficult. And I think, um, but on the other hand, I also feel that most of the time, I don't know that I'd want, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd want a very public life anyway. So I'm not the sort of person who wants to go to a premiere because I don't, if, I, if it involves dressing up, I'm not mad keen on it, really. But saying that sounds crazy to all of us because we look at you looking so wonderful and but together. But that's because for TV, I, you know, you, you know, I have my hair and makeup done and everything like that. So I will do it then. But so generally when I'm not working, I am just in black jeans and a black T-shirt. Mm. So what do you do? What do you do at... What do you do? I hang out with friends. I hang out with friends. I have them either around my table or I'm there in, you know, in their kitchens with them eating around their table. Yeah. Um, I read a lot. I, try, I do more exercise than I did when I was young. What do you do? Well, I do yoga and I also do just general things to keep me a bit, you know, to keep me moving. And I try and walk a lot. So I do walk to places. And why do you do more exercise now than you did when you were young? When uh, you had kids, that, that's, yes. a, that's a major hurdle. I don't know, I never, I just didn't like it. I, I just didn't really like it. And I, I, it was doing yoga that made me like it more, I have to say. And why is that? Because I don't like getting all the, I don't like anything that, I don't like too much cardio. Although I keep thinking I'm going to be brave and try spinning class one day because everyone says it makes you feel so great. Everyone says it makes you feel so great, but I'm not sure. I I think in a way that um, I I think as you, if you get to a certain age, I think when you have to, if you like eating, you have to exercise. Um, you know, because it's not like I'm one of ever going to be one of life's natural dieters. But you've lost a lot to. of weight. Recently. I do. I go up and down a bit, and I think I'm, I'm, I've lost weight, and I'm about to go on the upward thing. But actually, why, why are you going to go on the upward? Oh, because I always do. I mean, that's how I go. But I didn't <laughs> diet or anything. I didn't diet. I don't know why I lost weight. I had something. I just didn't eat. Uh, I didn't drink for a while when I was, I was working incredibly hard, and I was a bit um, stressy for a while. And I normally put on weight when I'm stressed, but it actually made me lose a bit of it weight, um, which is quite rare for me. But, and I worry about it because I think after a certain age, you've got to be careful about losing weight because I think it makes you go all scrawny about the face. But as a, as a friend of mine said, Nigella, you know you're not that thing, don't you? And I said, Is that what I'm they like, said? Yeah, a friend of mine, she's quite right. I mean, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I. But you're also really. I don't drink much, you see, it okay. was the drink. I can't drink and work anymore. Yep. So I don't. It's drink. part of getting older. I'm the same. Yes. Never work. Never. I never drink when I'm working. No. Can't do it. People say, "Have a drink." Hard, I go, yeah. "No, it's fine." I can't. No, Give I me can't. Water. Drink afterwards. Yes. Happy to do that. But I. But I. You know. So I had a really incredible sort of two years of hard work, and I didn't really drink. But I like exercise too. I think it makes me feel better in my head. Having yeah. said that, I haven't done exactly masses since I've been here. But that's okay. And I think they're also changing their mind about how you should exercise as you get older. Yeah. And I always have that thing. You know, I am a chubby, overly middle, over middle-aged man now. 
And uh, I always laugh. You know, I get a PT from a 24-year-old who goes, come on, Gaz. And I go, but you're 24. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think people go talk, this is my view, which is people go on and on about exercise, but I think it's moving that makes a difference. So I walk places and I try and not take lifts and escalators and do stairs. And I think it's that sort of thing that makes a big difference. Well, I'm now changing my pinups to my parents and my, as a, you know, someone I should admire mm. for their longevity and their mm. health and fitness is my parents and my wife's parents. Because mm. my wife's parents are in their 80s and walk regularly mm. and don't overdo it. Um, rather than listening to that 24-year-old in the yeah. gym who wants I'm you to do the spin this. class. No, Because I, I guarantee you my father-in-law has never done a spin class no, in his life. No, I think it's, I think walking is key. Is this the life you would have chosen for yourself? It is not. I, I mean, the idea that I would be doing something like this, like one being on TV or even cooking is great. I mean, I always thought, you know, I started off as a, as, you know, as you said, I was the deputy literary editor when I was 26. I was a journalist. I always thought I'd be a writer mm. um, and, you know, have a much quieter, in a way, a much quieter life. So it isn't the life I thought I would have, but maybe that's all, you know, to the good. I don't know. And also, I'm a great believer in not planning. And so I never thought I'd do this. And so, like, who knows what I'll do next? It yeah. could be anything. Well, you still have time to be the writer. I do, but maybe I'm, you know, I do really feel that I found my voice in writing about food. Mm. So I don't, you know, feel I have to prove myself to myself in another way. And I tend to think we get done what we get done. And if I were a writer, I might have done it by now. That's true. What's the hardest part of being Nigella Lawson? And if you could go back, would you change anything? I would like to change. I mean, they're linked, my answer. I would like to change um parts of my personality and i don't i would i'm trying to change them but i keep forgetting i mean i get, i would i would like to be less moany i haven't heard you moan once i know but i think i can be quite moany when i get stressed i get quite moany oh, okay. i don't mean to other people i think it's in my oh, head you, that, okay. you know i go, yeah. i don't mean moany i don't mean other things but i just feel i can i i think i ruin too much my anxiety so I'm, I get worried about things going wrong. I'm a get catastrophizer, you know, and so I'm always like, I can go from um, not being able to get a recipe right to, you know, lying in the gutter without a roof over my head in about two breaths. And so I think I would like to be much more, you know, in the moment. And I don't know that I, that's why I like cooking because I am in the moment when I cook. Um, but I just, Feel. So I would like to be that kind of a person. And I remember once I said at home, um, I'm, I'm not going to moan. I'm not moaning. So when people say to me, like, you know, how are things? Like, oh, I didn't sleep that well. So that's why I go on. I give every, you know, give every single bit. And I remember after a while, my son said, you know, that not moaning. <laughs> what happened to that? And I, oh no, I forgot. I forgot I wasn't meant to moan. So I am. So I think that would be nice not to be that person because I think it does. I don't know why. I remember um, my late agent, um, Ed Victor, who died last year, who I loved. I remember when I was quite young, um, he said to me, you know, when he was saying to me once, what, how are you and everything? And I was going, I'm a bit worried. I've got this piece to write and that. And I haven't slept very well. I was about 23 at the time. And he took me aside. I said, Nigella, um, when people ask how you are, they don't want to know. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> 
See, but I also think that's probably what people find charming about you mm. in a sense, don't you? Maybe I, not. But Maybe I do not your son that, at that moment. No, 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 but I, don't, but I don't mean so much that, but I don't think it ruins things for other people necessarily because I just feel that... You know, you just worry too much. And again, so someone told me this story, which I do try and remind myself. So um, a friend of mine was said that she were, her best friend's mother was dying and she went to the hospital. I mean, she was like in her 90s and everything. And then just before she died, she sat up and she went, all that worry went, you know, killed over. And actually, you're right, like, you don't want to be there. So sometimes you're, you, the amount you can worry about something which actually is not such a big deal. And I think it's remembering that. But of course, as you go through your life, it is a big deal in that moment. But I do know that that is not, you know, that is a lot of stress for your body to be under all the time. But also I think it makes you who you are. And it probably, the perfectionist, whether yeah. you admit that, things. exactly. Yeah. It makes I you know, care about things, makes yeah. you commit to things, it makes you, all the things that you've described in the last 45 minutes. I know, minutes. but and sometimes I just feel... You might be really I annoying if you to were be, positive all the time. I don't want to, yes, I know, but sometimes I feel I'm too old to be this frightened. Mm, there's another thing, yes. isn't it? You didn't say that. But it's anxiety is fear, isn't it? But then... But then I, I, but then I don't know. So maybe what I've got to do at this stage is just accept how I am. Maybe that's the way to look at it, rather than think I want to be this miraculous person who is just, you know, the full thing of is sunniness. doing all that yoga. You see, it preaches and practices enlightenment in a sense, doesn't it? And um, being calm. And I don't think many people actually achieve that, you know, purity. No, but of I think a lot of people who do yoga know that it's about intention. It's not about, mm. you know. Where we asked, but I was I always told uh, you become what you practice most. That's why I'm slightly annoying and occasionally angry and often grumpy, but just to the people close to me. I know, well, that's true. See, I, I know, but that, <laughs> we all are a bit like that. We all are a bit like that, but that's, but I don't know. I think the thing is, um, there is, I do think this modern thing on sort of trying to be in the moment is good. It's just, uh, it's, it's as harder than it sounds. That's why work's good. My mum is a calligraphist. Yeah. She's published that. She's written yeah. three or four books. And she's 76 now. Yeah. And still loves what she do, yeah. does. And she's quite anxious, but she's a perfectionist. Yeah. She's thorough. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And um, I look at her with great admiration yeah. in terms of what she's achieved. And I always want to be present moment. Yeah. But I'm also very um, spur of the moment. Yeah. And that sometimes causes problems. I know, but that's wonderful. Um, the saddest time in your life oh, and I'll, I'm afraid I've and got, I'll give yeah. you the happiest yeah. time of your life oh after God, that no. um, you know it's difficult I've had a lot of sad times you know my mother died at 48 my sister died at 31 my first husband died um, at 47 and how's that and that was you know those were difficult and my children were very young you know my children were um, you know, four and six. So, you know, in, you know, all that's been, uh, uh difficult. I, um, had a marriage you? end, um, sadly. Mm. Um, so I think a lot has made me sad. Um, but, you know, you, I suppose you just have to push on, don't you? Mm. I mean, I think that, uh, Does it get any easier? Does it? Is, and each one of those things is. I very think the thing is, anyone, as anyone who's um, gone through and 
deaths will will know that what loss does is it brings up other losses so that it, you know it doesn't get easier it becomes cumulative mm. on the other hand we only have the lives we have so you just that is the shape that your life the shape your life takes is the shape it has i think you know as a parent mostly what, what make you know what was so uh difficult about you know john dying was knowing what trauma and loss they were going through and i think that for me was the that's what made me the saddest yeah because i think you can bear suffering on your own behalf but it's very difficult to bear suffering on your children's behalf. And how did you first talk to them about Well, they were too or? little. I mean, you know, they were seven months and three when he got ill. So they were, um, you know... But as they got older? But as they got older, I suppose it becomes the normal. And it's extraordinary how humans adapt to what is. Um, but in New Dust, you know, we're a unit of three and we're our little triangle. Yeah. Very close? Yeah with your kids? What kind yes. of things do you do with your kids? Oh, How old know. are they now? I don't know. They so hate me talking Bruno about them. And yeah, they hate me talking about them. So do they? So yeah, we're not allowed to do. talk about them. I don't know. You should, you, you'll be like you that can, You can just edit yes. wherever you want. Anyway, you so go. they don't like me talking about But I, you know, I like them. They're funny. They're funny. They're funny and they're kind. What else do you want? Perfect. I could retire. What was the greatest challenge? Because I'm a father of yes. a daughter. Yeah. What's been the greatest challenge bringing up a, a young lady in your... What's the greatest Oh. I don't know. I think that, I think the difficulty is is that it is you're always aware of your mistakes as a parent. I think, mm. and um, it, and that is hard. But I do think actually, if 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 your children really know they're loved and also they're guided towards you know what is the right way to behave, then in a way you've just got to hope that they're sensible enough to. Mm go with that. But you've laid some foundation. Yes, but I also think that children have their own characters too mm. and um, you know generally speaking I think that one can't ever take any credit for what's good about them because that's absolutely to do with them but obviously one's con contribution can only be negative. <laughs> I know that because <laughs> what do I know really? That's what it is. Actually, it's funny actually because my parents are over from the UK at the moment mm. and she, my daughter burst out laughing and um, I said what are you laughing at and she said because it sounded just like me because I mm. obviously went mum yeah, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Mum! And I know. you know those three tones yes, of mum! So mum! <laughs> and she was just giggling in the background because yes. she goes that's yes, me. Yes quite. So what's been the happiest, what have been the happiest moments of your life? What have been the happiest moments of my life? God, I just... Sometimes, do you know what? They're just such quiet moments. Uh, when I was in India recently and I was hanging about my kids and we were just watching something and I had an arm around each of them and mm. we had a lovely day and it was all looking beautiful. And it's those moments that actually, you know, in that moment I just thought, I am so lucky. Now, Angela Lawson, I have to say, great privilege, and um, you might find it slightly embarrassing, you may not, but you are a true culinary superstar. And regardless of whether it's um, to the domestic cooks amongst mm. uh, the planet or the professionals, whether they admit it or not, uh, you have a lot of admirers and a lot of followers. Okay, and when you come, me. no, no, and when you when they said, oh, we've got Nigella again for MasterChef this year, we we do a collective yippee. Oh, so I'm so really I love pleased. Being with you boys. Well, I'm really pleased that you've managed to put a bit of time aside and, yeah. and let our listeners 
kind of um, learn something new about you and fall in love with you a little bit more. So thank you. Thank you. That's how to shut me up. So here are my tips and tricks. And when I think about Nigella Lawson, it's all about home cooking, isn't it? And it's funny, I've got this memory of my mum throwing a dinner party and never actually being at the dinner party. She was always in the kitchen. And I've got a couple of rules when I'm cooking for friends, and that is be around. It's a good idea. Join in the conversation. And so preparation is the key. And I find a few cold items, things that can be prepared, you know, beautiful salads with lots of texture, something that you can roast and hold in the oven, or the barbecue, that quintessential Australian piece of cooking equipment, use it. But things that cook quickly and that you're not going to worry about overcooking. Also love popping things on the kitchen bench and people can crowd around. And I'm talking about not just dips and chips, but something maybe that you could slice and pop on a little warm toast and you can chat and hand them around. It makes people feel comfortable and part of your kitchen as well as your home. Happy entertaining. A Plate to Call Home is a Podcast One production produced by Dave Zwolenski, executive producer Jamie Shu. audio production is Darcy Thompson and special thanks to Imogen Thomas for all the research. 